You're listening to episode 104 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. Vocabulary is not learned alone and by itself. You cannot take single words and suddenly put them together in a meaningful way. So even though you're focusing on words, you have to focus on the chunks of words you're going to use it together with. So they learn language in chunks. So similarly, with science vocabulary, you want to learn the meaningful vocabulary within a chunk of other words. Hi, welcome to IDRA's Class Notes. This is Aurelio Montemayor, and I'm going to be in conversation with Kristen Grayson, one of our colleagues who has been doing some science teaching. Today it's called Science for English Learners, number one. So, Kristen, we've had a conversation, an introduction of this guide that we've got, and now you're going to go into it very specifically. What is the purpose of the guide? The purpose of the guide is to help teachers really implement the strategies that are going to help their English learners learn the academic language of science and really internalize it so that they can be successful in science content. Do I, as a teacher, need to know the language of the child? No, you don't. Okay, good. The guide consists of seven main strategies. I'm only going to be talking about one of them today. And you don't need to know the language of the child, but it is important to understand how you can help accelerate their learning of English through the content area of science. Science. Okay, so what is the first strategy you want to talk about? Well, the first strategy I want to talk about and the one for today is building upon the English language learner's proficiency in English at that time that they're your student in the classroom. So this might mean for teachers, perhaps they get the official language assessment scores that their district and state uses that identifies what level they are in. They should get scores in listening, speaking, reading, and writing because those are all four different parts of language and a student can be high in one area and low in another. That's interesting because as a classroom teacher I'd never broken it down that way in terms of listening and speaking. I'm interested in them reading the text, writing answers, answering questions. So that's good. Well and that's true and many times especially at the secondary level teachers are focused on the textbook and focused on doing book work per se However, for students to really acquire the language, they have to practice using it. Mm -hmm. Even if you talk to teachers today who took any foreign language in high school or college, they say they don't remember it because they never used it. So we really want to encourage that interaction, whether it's with the teacher and the student in an academic conversation, but particularly with student-to-student using the academic language of science in their conversations. And this is something the teacher can structure when the teacher knows what level of English that they're at. So once I know what level they're at, and I assume there's a scale of numbers or Mm -hmm. the descriptions of their proficiency, what's one specific thing I need to know? I'm going to teach a science lesson. What's something very specific that I need to have at hand or be able to do? Well, first of all, going back to the language proficiency of the student, For instance, research tells us that whatever level they're at, 
the level you need to be giving them is the level just a little bit higher than that. You don't want to assume that they're going to go from newcomer to advanced overnight. I mean, everyone, the virtual goal is to be able to read and write and talk about science, but you can't go from zero English to fluent English overnight. So you want to just push them to the next level. One important way to start that, one of the techniques for implementing that, is if you know the level of proficiency of your student and you know the language that you want them to focus on that day or that week, that unit, is to to have the key vocabulary posted on the board, talk about that vocabulary, use that vocabulary repeatedly, have them use that particular vocabulary throughout the lesson instructional time of the day. So if it's the amoeba, I'll have words related to the amoeba lesson all over the place for them to see. Right. And for instance, if they're a beginner and they don't have a lot of science background, and we have to take into account Mm -hmm. if they already have a lot of science background, they have the knowledge already in their brain and they're just going to attach new vocabulary Mm -hmm. to it. If they're also learning the content, they're learning content and they're learning vocabulary. So for beginners, you have that key vocabulary listed, but you might help them use that vocabulary by providing them with what are called sentence stems or parts or or structures that they can use that vocabulary in, such as amoeba consists of or... Amoeba can be observed in, and then they complete the sentence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's another application that I need to be conscious of as a science teacher? Well, one thing that I think is really important for science teachers to remember is that vocabulary is not learned alone and by itself. You cannot take single words and suddenly put them together in a meaningful way. So even though you're focusing on words, you have to focus on the chunks of words you're going to use it together with. So they learn language in chunks. For instance, if we go back to social language, I don't learn the words individually for how are you. I learn how are you as a phrase. So similarly with science vocabulary, you want to learn the meaningful vocabulary within a chunk of other words. But I like that because... Kids learn science with hands-on doing it, seeing it, observing it, rather than looking at printed words in the book. So this is actually very useful for me as a science teacher, knowing that what's central to my teaching, that is they experience the reality, the, the things that they have, things on their, in their hands, as they have them, then you're saying, and this is this, and this is the process, whatever, and you attach it to, to what is visibly present. Right, and yeah. you and you touch right on one of the other techniques is whatever you're teaching, you want to make it visual, you want to have gestures, you want to use real objects and real hands-on activities whenever you can. This is good for regular students. <laughs> oh, yes, all students learn better when they're interacting, mm-hmm. when you're talking, when you're moving, when you're having meaningful, authentic conversation in context, not just a list of words and their definitions, but when you're really using it all together within context. Now, going back to the language proficiency of the student, if they're beginners, they're going to need one level of support. If they're intermediates, here's where sometimes I have a great concern as a former ESL teacher is that they seem like they sort of have it. 
and they can make pretty good sentences. Mm -hmm. But when you get to science tests, many times the questions and statements and scenarios given on science tests are actually very complex language mm -hmm. that they get the gist, but they don't understand yes. the, the nuances of the language. And nuances are very important to test. The tests are tricky in that sense that you have to understand what is this really asking. You know, right, right. And, for instance, many times on science tests, they will have the question more at the end of the phrasing of the mm -hmm. statement or the paragraph, and they'll start out with many subordinate clauses yes. first. Like, in the case of yeah. when the weather was... Etc. Etc. And then they get to the question. And if the student focuses on those prepositional phrases so intently, they've missed it yes. before they you, even get yes, to the essence of lost. the question. Yeah, and for a language learner, that's very complicated. Well, let me just mention something that I find in the classroom very interesting is how kids talk to each other when they're doing an experiment or they're exploring something mm -hmm. together, whether it's outside in nature or in the classroom. Does that connect in any way to this? somebody who's learning English as a second language. Well, of course, because you want to take however they're already using language and then push them, bump them up to the next level. So it might be you modeling that language or you commenting on another student that uses the language mm -hmm. in a little more complex form and pushing them to the whatever level you already observe them at, whether mm -hmm. it's in play, whether it's just during their activities, you can restate it and have them restate it back to you in a more complex way. Well, what's interesting, though, is as a high school teacher, I had to shift from a lecture approach to small group work a lot with regular stu well, students who were already new the language. It seems that it's even more important that the language learner have plenty of opportunity in small groups yes. that, is, that is useful in a science setting if you have hands-on activities and conversation or problem-solving around something that they're observing. Exactly, because what's done in language learning is called negotiating for meaning. And so I don't... Say that again, negotiating for meaning? Negotiating for meaning. So I say something, but you're not really sure what I'm saying until we talk back and forth and know that we mm -hmm. have arrived at a common understanding. So for instance, when I say negotiating for meaning, you just said, now say that again. Yeah. And so we talk back and forth until we both understand right. the same concept. I thought I understood it, but I wanted you to, to see if what I had in my head was what you, what you meant. Okay, so you've talked, it's important that the vocabulary be present in many ways, and that they see the word and connect, that it be holistic, that it be connected to a, a bigger thing, not isolated words. We've talked about conversation among kids and you responding to them, being sensitive to what level of language development they are. Uh, what's, what's something else that you would add to the list? Well, Jim Cummins, who's one of the top researchers in language, talks about focusing on three different things in language, talking about form, talking about meaning, and talking about the specific use of language functions. Yes. So it's very specific in terms of that they're exposed to language in multiple ways and that they can also connect science vocabulary to other content areas, maybe connections with similarities and similarities with differences. For instance, there's some science words, like the word table, that's used one way in, in science that might be used differently 
in math or might be used differently in social mm -hmm. studies. So it's very important to use it in multiple ways and to model and practice well, these ideas. You, you have that challenge for any, any learner that science uses words in a very specific way that is different to the way you use it day to day. Well, yeah. and in fact, sometimes we talk about everyone is a science language learner because science is a very specific language in and of itself. So you're very yeah. correct when you say that. Okay, and so what, what other tools can you as a classroom teacher, you're teaching science, you've got English language learners, what other tools can I use? Well, when we're talking about this specific strategy, thinking about their language proficiency. Language, yeah, for language proficiency. We try these techniques under this general strategy of focusing on the proficiency they're at and trying to support them to move them to the next mm -hmm. level. So another tool is that at the same time you're focusing on what you're doing as a teacher, you want to focus on how the students are responding as students. Yeah. So what the indicators of their engagement are and how successful your techniques are, or perhaps they may need to be modified to be more supportive or maybe the students are ready to uh, to move a little bit more on their own. Now science I know in the textbook organizes information in a particular way that is different to the way a literature book organizes it. Uh, how do you help the student understand that or how science is organized or how, how concepts fall on each other? Yes, because science as compared to literature, for example, literature is, is much more narration. Yes. Science has a different kind of text structure. And usually they're, they're going to have to be probably at the intermediate level when you start pointing out differences in, in, and in secondary, when you start pointing out differences in how the language is actually structured. And you might even do that, even though they're older kids, with sentence strips and show how you can reorganize mm. Uh, phrases of speech to go from an active voice, say, to a passive voice. So it's helping them organize uh, the information, having hands-on activities, conversation, focusing on the vocabulary. I, I think these are things that I, as a science teacher, can manage, but it might mean I have to change the way I teach science in the classroom. Yeah, it might mean that. Not too much lecture. Exactly. A lot of student-to-student -student talk, meaningful academic talk, and really being aware of the student's level of science language use, whether they're yeah. English learners or not, and how you're going to move them up to become scientific thinkers. Right. Because it's the science concepts that are important that these words are attached to. Well, thank you, Kristen. Uh, I think it's a good beginning of conversation. I hope that this helps those of us that are content area teachers in the classroom, elementary and secondary. Would you like to say anything closing to science teachers that are teaching ELL students? Well, I just want to keep encouraging all of you great teachers out there. Uh, sometimes it gets frustrating alone in your classroom, but you do make a difference in the students' lives, and we look forward to presenting more of these ideas to you in future podcasts. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.